Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Today starts off what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks, which is talking to a bunch of folks from Nets content land, those voices out there that are breaking down the Nets on a daily basis on a bunch of different websites. Today we start off with Alex Sturm from Nets Republic, where he's a writer. We have a great talk. We talk about Nets expectations, off-season moves, stuff that he liked. We talk about Steve Nash stepping into the coaching chair. We talked about Kyrie Irving with the recent media stuff. Uh, we get into James Harden rumors that are still kind of circulating out there. It's a great talk. Really excited to have him on the podcast. The audio at the beginning is a little wonky, 100% my fault. Uh, so Alex seems a little quiet at the beginning. That's like I said, that's my fault. Uh, but it clears itself up right around the two-minute mark, and we are good to go for the rest of the time. All right, Alex Sturm, Nets Republic. Let's do this. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Doug Norrie, the owner and operator of DFSR, working in the fantasy basketball space with picks and projections for places like FanDuel and DraftKings. And over there is not Adam Armbrecht, as you heard at the top of the show. That is Alex Sturm from Nets Republics, and he's part of a group of guys that we're going to be bringing in over the next couple weeks that exist out there in, I'm going to call it the Nets Twitter sphere, the Nets content sphere, whatever, however you want to kind of break it down. Alec, how's it going, man? It's going great. Thanks, Doug, for having me on. I'm excited to uh, to be here, talk some Nets with you, and just kind of chat about the upcoming season. It should be a really exciting, fun one. Yeah, so if you're not on, as I'm going to call it Nets Twitter, because I think that's sometimes the easiest way to describe the group of folks that logs on every day uh, onto Twitter and just kind of just talks about the Nets and uh, we're, we become sort of tangentially uh, associated with this over the years, Adam and I, and it's great to just kind of sometimes put faces to, to names that you see out there. Alec, for those that don't know, is that, you know, like I said, he writes for Nets Republic. He's written a bunch of stuff over the last few months about their offseason. He's also pretty active on Twitter in terms of what I would call sort of like an aggregation model of I'm going to say distilling down the news around the NBA from the podcast and content and stuff, and then sort of putting it back into manageable pieces back out for the fan, for Nets Twitter, for, like, you know, for, for fans of the Nets on Twitter. Is that a fair way to say how you kind of have carved out a niche? I think, I think that's just fine. That's just fair. I listen to the podcast. I get the quotes. I go, oh, this is spicy. This is good news. People want to hear about this. And into the Twitter sphere it goes. And then people get to share it and see the quotes without having to listen to the whole thing themselves. Yeah, it's it's pretty valuable, I'll say. I you know, there's so much basketball content out there at this point in terms of just niche content. Like I would call locked on nets niche content, just because it's you know about a single team. Then you have sort of the national beat that exists out there, but they end up talking about um, they end up talking about the nets quite a bit. So. Um, Let's talk about the Nets offseason and, and sort of what you saw as, because I know you did, you know, you wrote some stuff about the draft out there. You wrote about Kevin Durant and Steve Nash pairing uh, for Nets Republic. What did you take away from the Nets offseason in terms of, you know, I don't know if you want to give it a grade or get, or, you know, say which moves that you thought were, you know, ended up being 
ones you thought were positive or, or negative, but how would you just in general grade the Nets offseason as they head into the 2020-21 season? To me, the Nets offseason was like the opinion it was like the epitome of the term, all right, let's not get ahead of ourselves. The Nets, they looked they have Kevin Durant, they have Kyrie Irving, they have a good team that they like and have played well and they saw play well in the bubble. And they said, okay, let's just see how these guys roll. Let's get a little bit better on the fringes. Let's bring in small piece like Jeff Green, small piece like Landry Shamit, but let's see how the big stars mesh with the guys who have been here for a few years. And so of those guys, of the Shamits, of the Jeff Greens, I mean, we can throw maybe Bruce Brown in there as well. Um, is, there a, is there a guy that kind of stands out to you that maybe will have a bigger role than others? Because like, a lot of these moves tended to be not your headline-making moves, right? Like I don't think, you know, Landry Shamit and Bruce Brown and these guys don't stop the presses, but they're functional NBA pieces. Is there, is there among that group a guy that you maybe think can end up you know, standing out above the rest? Um, well, speak for yourself when it comes to stopping the presses, because I was getting hot <laughs> over Bruce Brown. But I think, I think, yeah, I think Bruce Brown and Jeff Green are two guys that I'm really exciting, excited to see, see how they work on this team because of their, of their defensive capabilities, which is, I mean, let's be honest here. Defense is a place where the Nets can, uh, can need, use some help. I think Bruce Brown can play one through three. He can, he can defend. He can play make. He can dribble the ball, even though he won't need to. And I think in spot minutes, he can be really interesting on the wing. And I think Jeff Green as a three, four, five, maybe not, not, maybe not so much a three because he's really more of a four, five at this point. He played some interesting small ball five in Houston. D'Antoni, who's back on the Nets now, and um, I think friend of Kevin Durant, of course. And I think he and Bruce Brown defensively. Maybe they'll see a bigger minutes increase with some more offensive heavy lineups with the juggernauts like Durant and Irving. Yeah, I really couldn't agree more. And I think that's sometimes what the Nets, uh, uh, you know, your standard Nets fan, you're not this. Um, I think that's why it's nice to have you pointed out because Adam and I sometimes try to trumpet this from the mountaintops and I'm not sure how many times it lands on listening ears. But we've said it from the beginning that this team is the defensive piece that's going to be the big is is by far the biggest question mark, right? It's the and sometimes defense, and we talk about this many times, is sometimes the hardest thing for the mind's eye to see when it's happening on the basketball court, right? Because it's just hard to see. Like short of the ball going in and out of the basket, which is usually the barometer for most fans, it's hard to know, you know, if, if someone missed an assignment, um, if someone just you know you know screwed up, or there's miscommunication, or just the effort's not there. So I totally agree with you on the brown piece, uh, the green piece as well. Those guys. Well, Green's a lot older, but um, other thoughts going into the season. Where do you see the Nets? I mean, I have, we, have, we were talking about this on a previous episode about where the Nets kind of land in the hierarchy of the East right now. Um, I think I, my, my initial model lands them with the second best overall record in the East, and, and I can give some more thoughts later. But I want to hear your thoughts on you know, where you see them kind of landing in the regular season here, and do you think they're a championship contender as, as, as presently constituted? Um, I think the Nets, as currently built, have a very, very high ceiling when it comes to their standing in the East. I think we watched the Eastern Conference playoffs in the bubble this, this, uh, this summer, whatever time of year it was, I don't know. And we watched the best team, the team with the biggest, brightest su- superstar, Giannis Antetokounmpo, fizzle out second round. We saw teams like the Celtics. Yeah, they made the conference finals, but they 
and they they lost. They they didn't show out super well. The Heat went on went on what I think it was kind of a lucky bubble playoff run, and the Raptors only got worse. And they and they left. They they lost in the second round. So I think the Nets have a total trump card in Kevin Durant, and they can just power through all those people if everything goes right. I also think this is a very injury prone team, and that it's a very um, the team has a lot of chance. For things to go wrong, I think there's a lot of holes. I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of holes. I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have a dynamic personalities, and we don't know how that's going to play out. And I don't think we. I don't think we know how the first year head coach Steve Nash is going to play out. Even though I'm very optimistic about him, and I don't think we know anything about this season and the certainty that it will work as planned. But if we kind of average out the worst case scenario with the best case scenario, I'd see them at the top of the East right next to the Bucks and the Celtics. And I'd say a conference finals is definitely like at least the expectation conference finals, finals appearance. It's funny about that because you know, the Kevin Durant piece is the, is the question you get Well, the injury piece around Kevin Durant specifically is the question you'd have about any player that's essentially in the, we'll just go, I'll round it out to the top 10, right? Because if the Bucs lost Giannis, that would be the end of their season. If the Lakers lost LeBron, it would essentially, you know, maybe not completely the end, but it would get pretty darn close to the end of the season. So I think it's totally fair to put that as a caveat um, to any statement because it's really only what happens when you have, and I'm probably being unfair to Durant here because he was like a top three player before he got hurt. So let's just say top five. Um, the upper tier, upper echelon. Yeah, the very, right, the very best. The list is so short of these guys, right? Like the list is... There just aren't there aren't that many of them at so, all. What players who can be the best on a championship team? Yeah, that's right. That ends up probably being like you know five to ten total guys, and maybe that list is long. I got a couple more questions. It's definitely a follow up to the Steve Nash piece that you just said because I want to get your thoughts on when they uh, what they what your thoughts are on Nash. First, got to talk about our friends at Built Bar. Look, you know these guys. If you're into protein bars and you probably had some in the past as you've been sampling them, trying to figure out what the one that doesn't just taste like a pile of cardboard and rocks is, Built Bar, then you find Built Bar and you're like, oh my God, I didn't even realize protein bars could even taste like this. They're delicious. They come in tons of different flavors. They get six new flavors, cookies and cream, cherry barcia among them. Always have the 12 original flavors, raspberry, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, orange. Really, the way I think about it is if you have a, a, a... uh, flavor of ice cream that you like, you're just going to find that in Built Bar, except that it's actually going to be healthy and good for you and works works on keto diet, 19 grams of protein. So go figure out what kind of ice cream you like and then just head over to Built Bar and just have that as your snack, knowing you're going to be covered on the health conscious side of it. While supplies last, you get a free cooler with purchase, but you have to go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, just like the podcast network we're on, and you'll get 20% off your next order Promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com, the best protein bar out there. All right, you mentioned Steve Nash and how you feel probably pretty generally positive about it. I tend to agree, though, I haven't been able to put my finger on completely why, except that it's Steve Nash. But I, when you first heard about the Nash hiring, and then sort of as you've been able to sit on it or, you know, stew on it, reflect on it, um, whatever, whatever the word ends up being. What are your thoughts about Nash as a head coach or what you've seen so far? Because we haven't got any on-court stuff yet, but we've got some off-court, you know, interviews and whatnot. And we also have just the, you know, Hall of Fame resume as a player. Thoughts on when you heard Nash get hired and then what you kind of expect from him this season? Well, um, I think it's a pretty funny story when Nash gets hired. It's around, it's around like 10 a.m. ish, maybe on a Saturday morning. 
So I'm sleeping in late, as one does. Roll out of bed, check the phone, see the Woj bombs. Oh no, what happened? Coach Steve Nash of the Brooklyn Nets? Oh great, so they hired someone with no experience. Great, awful choice, whatever. And I think as the day went on, I kind of got sold, as you do. He's a Steve, he's Steve Nash, like for God's sake, like he knows what he's doing here. And then they brought in like a fantastic armada of coaches like over the off season. Imei Udoka, Mike D'Antoni, Jacques Vaughn is still around and is being very well paid. Amari Stoudemire, lots of great guys. And I think that's why I have a lot of confidence because even if Steve Nash isn't like the core executor of the scheme, which I don't think he will, honestly, I think it's been reported Mike D'Antoni is handling the offense. Jacques Vaughn is handling the defense. And Steve Nash, which is kind of weird to say because he's the head coach, he's going to be a really solid glue for this team. He's going to be a guy that can manage the personalities on this team well, can really like motivate and lead them forward through the playoffs and through what's going to be a really tough and weird season, in my opinion. Yeah, we totally agree on that assessment of Nash. I don't think you always need to have sat in the coach's chair to have – confidence around someone that they just understand sort of what it's going to take to be a good coach. There's plenty of coaches that have come from the court right to the right to the bench and and it's worked out. There's been some that have come to the court and it's flamed out spectacularly. So it's not a one-to-one correlation on if you were good at basketball, are you going to make a good coach? Nash to me strikes me as really just everything you'd want to have embodied so far, at least, he's deferential to the other guys in terms of things he doesn't know. He seems like he's a pretty organized guy. Clearly, the players respect him. So I think from those standpoint, you're starting off on the very best foot as possible. And then at that point, you're just hoping that the chips land <laughs> on the right side of the table. But but I but I, I don't know what else he could do. Let me put it this way. I don't know what else he could do or could have done so far to not have a vote of confidence. And this is short of just the games you know, getting started to be played. Look, as someone who's listened to a lot of Nets interviews this offseason yeah. and a lot of quotes, Steve Nash has hit the bullseye on every single one. And they trot him out there a lot, whether it's with Michael Grady or on NBA Draft Night or I don't even know on some podcasts. And it's a lot of the same stuff, but it's always the right stuff. Yeah, and that's actually, I hate to say that's like the biggest part of the job because it's clearly not. We saw plenty of you know Frank Vogel and Nick Nurse and guys that are, X's and O's dudes, and they're able to kind of figure out schemes. I don't think, I think that Nash can definitely be that. He's spent his whole life in basketball. But other than that, the next most important piece is just being sort of that glue that the that the organization can sort of rally around, or at least like a steady hand. And I think that if nothing, like you said, if he's if he can answer all the questions right, that in and of itself seems so difficult at times, which actually brings me to my next question for you, is the guy that's sort of become a lightning rod for a polarized media, I would say, Kyrie Irving. And, you know, we have the Kyrie media piece where it's, is he, is he in a blackout? Is he not in a blackout? Is it is he talking to the media? Is he not talking to the media? What's your general sense of how Kyrie's entering the season here in terms of just, like, messaging or, like, you? okay, so for instance, I'll just compare it. You said Steve Nash has done a ton of interviews and has said everything correctly and nailed it every time. Kyrie has done no interviews and gave a quasi-cryptic, message to the media about how he was going to do things going forward. What are your feelings when you see sort of that stuff happen with Kyrie? Um, I think it's no secret that Kyrie Irving sometimes says some things in interviews that aren't 100% the political correct answer. 
I think there was a game against, or a, in a post-game interview against Philadelphia last season, he talks about the Nets needing more pieces. Um, but I also think, and I've seen it firsthand, that there's a lot of instances where Kyrie will say something relatively harmless and that the media will kind of take it and spin it and blow it, out, blow it out of proportion, maybe put it on ESPN talk show, maybe a, maybe a podcast, and then, and then it becomes a whole story out of kind of nothing. So I think even though that Kyrie Irving, even though his unique approach to media relations is, it's unique, that's for sure. I think it makes sense. And I think he's doing the right thing for him. And honestly, the right thing for the team, because what good is Kyrie Irving doing when he's talking to the press at this point for the Brooklyn Nets? Like he doesn't enjoy giving these like boring PC answers and they're not fun to give. And I don't think his teammates appreciate the uh, not so boring ones. <laughs> That's a good way to put. It. I never heard. I never thought about that way as, as being the sort of the central reasoning about why he he shouldn't either. Because you're right. Because there are times where either his current teammates or his ex teammates. I mean, LeBron just did it the other day. We didn't even talk about this on other pod, but maybe this for another day. But LeBron took umbrage with something he said, and I kind of don't disagree with him. But it's it's also just one of those things. They end up sort of being nothing burgers, anyway. But. Like, yeah, is that where, I don't know. I'm not want to put words in your mouth, but that seems to be sort of where some of this stuff lands anyway. I think so. I mean, you're lying to yourself if you don't think there was someone in that front office who like had a sigh of relief when they saw that he wasn't going to speak. <laughs> like, That's, come on. Yeah. What are we doing? And as I, for LeBron, yeah, I think it. LeBron is very good at getting people to agree with him in the way he says things. I think yeah, he makes valid yeah. points. I think LeBron is a very good speaker. I don't, it's hard to disagree. Like I said, I, I, one of my least favorite things to do fan people on the podcast, no, or no secret to this, that one of my least favorite things to do is just listen to interviews <laughs> with either coaches or players. I just find them to be, um, the, like the opposite of interesting. Usually, unless there's some kind of crazy piece of information that you're able to glean. That's so rare though. For the most part, it just, and now in the zoom stuff, it, like watching Kevin Durant's press day was just I mean, it was it was sort of informative in a way that it was sort of informative about his personality and it was not informative at all about anything else when it came to <laughs> like basketball or the team or anything like that. Um, when you when you start to look at this coming season and you as the season opens and we're a few weeks away, we're going to get a couple of preseason games Um you know, probably not going to be able to tell too much from from those. I, I don't. I you know, I think they're going to keep. Uh, I, I think they'll keep things relatively light in these preseason games. They only chose to play two of them anyway, so I don't think they have a a great sense of, you know, a great sense of just having to like put on a show for the preseason. Heck, they're on every national TV game. It seems like now. What do you feel like you're going to look for as the season begins? You know, those first couple games you're tuning in. This and we're gonna have a bunch of you know content folks on the show over the next couple weeks. This is like one of my main questions. Is just what what you're gonna hone in on, and it could be anything. It need not be an X's and O's thing. Like, is it? It could be an attitude thing. It could be body language. Is there anything that you're gonna kind of look for when it comes to when it comes to these first couple games of the season? Oh no, it is a hundred percent X's and O's things. I'm looking at lineups. I'm looking at minutes distribution. I'm looking at scheme. I want to know what this coaching staff who's been brought in and was very highly heralded. I want to know what they've schemed. I want to know what they want this unique roster, which has a lot of guards and not so many forwards. I want to know how they're going to use this roster. And I want to know, I want to see, I want to see it all work. I want to see the, I want to see the plan be put in action. I think for a lot of people, the obvious answer to this is Kevin Durant. What does he look like? 
what is he healthy? Can he jump? Can he dunk? Can he shoot? And I think I'm I'm much I'm very confident. I'm very confident when it comes to Kevin Durant and how he'll look. I think he'll be near 90, 95, 100% of his former self. And I get it's Achilles injury. I guess it's very serious. But I think it's been 18 months. And I think it's been glowing reviews since day one of rehab. And I think I think we're going to be just fine on that front. I got a couple more questions for you. Um, and it's around just the, you know, the constant Woj bombs that seem to be coming out here. And uh, maybe a guy in Houston that I want your opinion on. I'm going to take a quick break. And we'll be right back more with Alex Sturm. All right. So the last piece here, I guess uh, I hate, no, never mind. I was gonna say I hate to do it, but screw it. I, I don't mind doing it because I do find, I, I don't find um, fake trades to be all that interesting. I do find the tension around some of the NBA in terms of its superstars and where they're ultimately going to land when it's all said and done. I do find that to be interesting. And we do have a central piece. And look, this is we're recording this just for the sake of honesty. We're recording this on Tuesday with the ideas going up Wednesday. I'm hoping that no bombs dropped in the meantime here. <laughs> I'll drop it in the beginning of the episode if they did. But um, what are your thoughts here as a person that's t- totally tuned in to the news cycle of the, of the NBA? This is one of the main reasons I want to have Alcon because he's, you know, among Nets Twitter is 100% dialed in on just the messaging from you know, both local and media uh, and national media guys. What are your, what's your sense on the Harden situation right now? I, I don't even need to have you make a prediction about whether he ends up becoming a net or not, but it's definitely, it's definitely tied at least loosely, if, if not more to the nets right now, what's your kind of your take on this whole situation? Um, from my read of the, uh, of the happenings in the Harden world is I think they're kind of at a standstill, at least James Harden and the Houston Rockets, because you know, report today, Harden, I think we've known this kind of for a while, even if it had never been officially reported, is Harden wants to go to a contender. He wants to go win a championship. We've all heard, oh, Harden, yeah, he's a great MVP, but that guy can't win a championship. He's not a winning playoff player. And I, I think he's heard the noise, too, and wants to go prove himself. Um, and the Nets, and with their expert recruiters, whoever they may be, I don't know, the, <laughs> LA, the LA workout buddies, clearly convinced him that Brooklyn is the place to be and that Brooklyn is the spot to go win a championship. And despite the new cycles of the past two weeks, I think Harden might have realized, hey, I, Brooklyn might not have the assets right now, and Houston doesn't seem to budge even when I go party in Vegas. So I'm going to go, I'm going to, he said he was open to being in Philadelphia and he was open to being in some other contending cities or playing for some contending teams. We don't know which ones. But I think, we're, at least from what, what I see and what reporters are saying on who's available, is that these contending teams, they don't really, they're not like super excited to be wheeling and dealing for James Harden. Philadelphia is trying to build around Ben Simmons. They're trying to build around Joel Embiid. They added a lot of shooters. Shout out to Daryl Morey and the shooters. Denver does not want to move Michael Porter Jr. They did not want to move him for Bradley Beal. They did not want to move him for Drew Holiday. James Harden is much better than those two players, but untouchable is untouchable. Another team, Miami, very good with the clubbing. We know James Harden loves the clubbing. <laughs> um, Tyler Hero is, is very much liked by the Miami Heat front office. Bam Adebayo is off the board, and that's the kind of Superstar. Oh, I should have said this earlier. Yeah, the the Rockets are looking for like a perennial young star, right. which Karis Levert is not. I hate to say it. I really hate to say it. He's not. 
You wouldn't, by the way, I'm going to just tell you, you're not, you're not saying anything that we haven't said multiple times in this podcast that people have a Nets fans have a unrealistic view of Karis LeVert. Like Ben Simmons is two years younger than Karis LeVert. So like, I just don't like, they just, people don't seem to understand the age piece of this around LeVert as good. He was as good as he was in the bubble. So sorry to cut you off on the Miami thing, but I just, I just want to jump in because like, we're, we're definitely very much pro Karis LeVert and very much pro Karis LeVert is just not the superstar that you're sort of mentioning around these other guys. And I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not like those other guys. I'm not like the rest of the NBA media. I'll see some people who are like, oh, the Nets offer. That's the worst thing I've ever seen. Karis LeVert's an old, inefficient ball handler who needs the ball. And I don't think it's that at all. I think it's much better value than people are making out to be. But I think right now the Rockets just don't have the offers they want from the teams that Harden wants to go to. So the stars could still align theoretically at the trade deadline or maybe next offseason for Harden. But right now I think for Brooklyn or any team to really get in play, an untouchable guy needs to be made available and or Harden really needs to take another step in the leverage dilemma, whether sitting out games or taking fines or whatever. And it's funny about the leverage dilemma because if he were to do something like that, it would only, likely would only scare, I feel like it only scare teams off of what you were buying into, right? Especially if you were trading really, you know, maybe possible future star assets to, to bring Harden in. The more malcontentish he becomes and i'm going to say that's sort of where we are right now i didn't think it, you know right when we were recording it looked like he was reported uh into houston and was going to begin clearing covid protocols but i've i've got to double check that but the um as he becomes more standoffish i, I can't imagine it drives the price up <laughs> like maybe maybe it keeps the price the same but i i don't imagine there ends up becoming sort of this all-out bidding war for a guy that you'd have to be really concerned that if he doesn't like the situation, we've seen that he has no problem, like you said, disappearing to Vegas and <laughs> and doing uh, you know whatever else it is that's not being on the basketball court for, for the Houston Rockets. I, a quick question outside of the Nets. Um, just general basketball stuff. I like to ask guys this too, because sometimes we become so Nets-centric that we it's a locked on Nets podcast. Look, we're supposed to we're talking about we're supposed to talk about the Nets. I, we're contractually obligated to talk about the Nets. So I don't it's, it's not that. But uh, what else are you kind of looking for in the NBA season this year? Is there another team that you're kind of kind of hone in on that you want to see what they have to do? Like if you had to, not to say root for another team, but is there any other interesting NBA stories that you're kind of focusing in as the season gets started? Um, I am going to be tuning into a lot of Dallas Mavericks games this season because I really want to see Luka take the next step. I want to see Porzingis, former Nick, Nets rival. I'm always looping it back in. Um, I want to see Porzingis if he can stay healthy. And I think, and the Mavs have a lot of players I like. Shout out to Maxi Kleba. And I know Rick Carlisle. There's a personal connection there. With some oh, really? People I know. Nice. Yeah. And I'll be, I'll be rooting for them big time. I think Dallas. Hope because they don't interfere with the Brooklyn side of things too much. I just finished my wins projection model, which uh, we talked about. We're going to talk about on previous pod. We talked about on previous podcasts, and then uh, we're going to talk about it as we go through the year. And I actually have Dallas third in the West as of right now. Um, as and that actually even keeps Porzingis not all that healthy, which I found to be interesting when it was all said and done. That uh, you know, from where they finished last year to what looks like they're prime for a leap this season, uh, our my system at least is very very bullish. Uh, on the Mavericks, really, like we talked about yesterday, very down on the Warriors, <laughs> as the Warriors finishing second to last in the West, um, which I was shocked at. Go ahead. That, that's just crazy. 
I um I was not big on the Warriors. I was even before the clay injury. I was like, I just don't really see it with this roster. And now, especially with the clay injury, I don't think they'll have home court advantage or anything near it. Honestly, I, I like I said, I'm better them than just straight up miss the playoffs. I don't know. I, I, we talked about yesterday's podcast about them possibly being a landing spot for a spot for Harden. Uh, though I think a lot would need to sort of happen to clear it. All right, Alex Sturm, he writes for Nets Republic. You got to go check him out. He's been got to really go check him out at Alec, A-L-E-C underscore Sturm, S-T-U-R-M on Twitter, where you really just need to follow him and you're going to make sure that you're going to, outside of woes, you're going to make sure you're getting every piece of Nets news that you really need because he's so active on Twitter. This is where, uh, this is where we kind of linked up to have him on the podcast. Great to have your thoughts. Alec, Thanks so much for coming on today as part of uh, our Nets content outreach. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again during the season. Yep. I'm so happy to be here. I hope to, to be recording sometime soon again. All right, Alex Sturm, everybody go follow him on Twitter. Also rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts right now. Uh, write a review, five stars or bust on that rating really helps boost those numbers. Adam and I will be back again on Thursday, talking more Nets basketball. Have a good one.